We're starting a new series tonight, a brand new series on Wednesday nights. I'm excited about it. You excited? Yes. Amen? You excited? Hey, good to see you. Amen. Good you're here tonight. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good everybody's here tonight. We've been praying for Lisa and standing with her. Amen? God is faithful to his word. But a new series tonight entitled, Words Are the Keys. Not words are the key. Words are the multiplicity of keys that unlock the doors to your and my life. Words. What we say is so vital. Um, <clears throat> actually, one of the things that has really been apparent to me over the last number of years, and I've been applying this on a, day to, on a, on a daily basis, and this is the way God has said it to me. I'm saying it to you tonight. God's told me, you need to talk less. And what would you think the next thing would be? Listen more. But that's not what he said to me. He said, you need to talk less and declare my word more. So what does that mean? You need to quit talking about things that don't matter. And you need to be declaring my word. Talk less, declare more. So I've had this series kind of on the back burner and I was, I was praying about what to start tonight. We're going to be on this for a while because it's really important. It's really, really important that we get this. Not, this. not just that we can make mental assent to it and we understand, yeah, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. No, no, I'm talking about believing it. Because, and, we, and you'll see that in every passage of Scripture that we read tonight, when you control what you say, you're maturing. Immature people talk from their emotions all the time. We've all been immature. We're all probably a little immature in some area of our life, so don't be looking around, yeah, they need to, sure glad they're here tonight to hear this. No, you need to be here tonight. Amen? Not, it's not about any one person, it's about all of us at different times in different areas of our life where we need to really believe this. And I'm, I'm not, so I'm, I'm just saying to you tonight that emotional talking and, it, well, emotional talking is really non-constructive. It's destructive is what it is. And God wants you and I growing up 
He wants us to be grown-ups, big boys and girls. Amen? Get past all the emotional stuff that attempts to trap us. And listen, the emotions are real. I'm not saying it like you're an idiot if you're, if you're talking too much in your emotions. I'm talking about going to the Word, learning how to believe in what I'm going to teach tonight and for the, and the weeks ahead, believing as you apply that, you really grow up and get out of your emotions. You won't just get out of your emotions because I'm telling you you're immature because you're too emotional. If you take that the wrong way, condemnation will set in. You'll think, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing enough. No. Get out of yourself. Get into here. And I promise you, you'll learn how to balance your emotions. Because your emotions are not going away. (laughs) God created you with emotions. Emotions are good. We have to bring them under authority. We cannot be led by our emotions. We have to be led by the Holy Ghost. And you'll never be led by what the Holy Spirit is saying if you don't know the Word. And you don't believe in the Word coming out of your mouth, coming into your ears, and being a part of you. I want what God thinks and what God says and the way God operates to be my only way of life. I don't want to live any other way. No other way. So tonight, that is the title. And I'm going to start, I was going to start somewhere else, but I'm deciding I'm not. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read this in the New King James, and then I'm going to read the, the I'm, I'm going from 13 to 19, or 20, and I don't think I told you this, but I'm going to read the 19th verse in the Amplified also in a little while. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, when we go to Israel, we're going to Caesarea Philippi. It's a great place. He came into the region. He asked his disciples, saying, and they kind of know exactly where they were sitting when he was asking his disciples, I think, you know. Sometimes the people lie to you and they just tell you, what they think you want to know, so you'll get all excited. So, but I think we'll know where, the, where that's at. Anyway, none of that, enough of that. When Jesus came into this region, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said that some say, everybody say, some say. <laughs> some people say that you're John the Baptist. So, if, if you met somebody that said, if, if, well, I'll pick on Joey, okay? So, and I'll just say this. Uh, Joey's connected here. He believes in what I teach. So, if, if, you, if Joey heard somebody say, somebody in town say, well, I heard about that gates of the city. That pastor there, man, he teaches a bunch of lies. Okay? If, if he heard somebody say that, 
and he knows, and he, if Joey believes that's not true, the person he heard that from, the longer he talked to him, he would decide whether that person was really convinced of that so they believed it for a long period of time. Right? Okay? So, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, some people we've heard say that you're John the Baptist. Like, you're John the Baptist resurrected from the dead. Uh, so, I mean, there's all kinds of weird ideas, but they prob- the disciples probably came across people that really believed that. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? You, you can really believe something, and you're absolutely convinced that it's so, and it's wrong. So then he said, other people say um, that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said that they say that. So they say it all the time. Hey, have you heard of that Jesus guy? Yeah, he's like Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He's this or that. He's not, in other words, he's not the Messiah that they keep saying that he is. He's not that. Pastor at that church, he really doesn't teach the truth, he teaches lies. Well, for some reason, they believe that, and they've heard that somewhere, and now they've said it and probably spread it around and said those kind of things. That's how all kinds of rumors get started that are not true. But but people really believe that they're true, right? The, 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 The Apostle Paul believed that Christians were wrong until... I mean, and he told everybody about it, and then he carried through and he killed Christians because he believed that they were coming against his God and what he believed was true. So in this situation, he's asking them, who do people say that I am? So could some of the disciples been thinking, well, you know, I heard, that, I heard somebody else kind of, because, you know, the Judaizers and different ones that were, that were false people and, and people accusing Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees trying to convince people that Jesus was not real, even though how could you deny all the miracles and the manifestations that they saw? How could you deny that? But they were, they were, doing, they were working overtime to convince people that, the, that he was not real. And so, you know, have you ever heard, have you ever gone somewhere and you've heard teaching and it goes contrary to what you've heard, like say, maybe we taught here? Maybe you've heard us teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues. Then you've maybe heard someone else that you like something that they taught, but then they started teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and said that anybody that teaches on the baptism of the Holy Spirit is of the devil. I mean, I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that people teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit are of the devil, right? So, have you ever heard something that went contrary to what you've been taught and it made you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. What's a bad thing is you give into it and you allow it to control your life and tell you that something is truth when it goes contrary to the Word. You understand? So, I think Jesus is asking these questions because maybe some of his disciples heard some other things, and he said, well, uh, uh, who do people say that I am? Then he says, who do you say I am? Now, we got Peter here, you know, and uh, 
I mean, Peter's done some really stupid things. You understand? But today, in this situation, at this moment, (laughs) Peter's on. And he says, you are the Christ. What does he mean by that? You are the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You are the one. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, he said, Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock, and The rock he's talking about here is very, 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 very important because what we're talking about tonight, and you're going to see it at the end of this passage here, and as I read verse 19 in the Amplified, you're going to see it even more clear. What's happening here, what he's saying is that the rock is revelation that has come from knowledge. The rock, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Natural knowledge didn't reveal what you just said. It was revealed to you by, my, by the Spirit of God from the Father. And he said, on this rock, not on Peter, and there's people that have preached that, you know, that he's talking about Peter being the rock. Well, P- Peter's not the rock. He's a rock, but he's not the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus the rock, right? Right. He said, but on this rock, I'll build my church. He said that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And listen to me. In our day and time, everything that was taught in Scripture, this is what he's saying. For you to have revelation come to you, you have to be declaring the Word of God. Because if you're not declaring God's words where you can hear it yourself, then revelation is not being extracted from the knowledge of God's Word. If you're not declaring the Word daily, then revelation isn't coming. Because you're not hearing yourself, you're not meditating on the word that you're declaring, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you are learning every day through your confession, your declaration. That's why God keeps saying to me, quit talking and be busy declaring. And the more you declare the word of God, And the more you shut your mouth with all other kind of conversation, the more you're going to be in a position to receive revelation. Because he said, on this rock, I'll build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And what is it? It's the rock of revelation coming to an individual. He said, you're Peter, but see, I could say, you're Joey. And what I'm talking about right here, on that rock of revelation is where the gates of hell, as it becomes real to you, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. 
So he's just talking to Peter, not like he's some special guy, but because he gave the right answer with a passion. Everything Peter did was with a passion. Everything he screwed up was with a passion. Huh? Cutting a guy's ear off was with a passion. Right? But thank God for his passion. Thank God we have that to see that what God was, what Jesus was saying to Peter, he's saying it to me, he's saying it to you. When the word becomes revelation, gates of hell can't prevail against. Because we stop the gates of hell, and I'll just say it like this, because it relates to the first part of what I said, we stop the gates of hell in every emotional reaction or situation that we find ourselves in. Because it's in those emotional situations that we give place to that, the de- is, the, it, the, that is the devil's playground. And that's where he lives and operates is in emotion because he has no power, he has no ability, he has no, you know, he has no real direction other than to screw up your and my life. Yeah. He just wants us disrupted, messed up, not believing, not in faith, worked up emotional, making decisions from our emotions on a constant basis. But if we'll shut our mouths and only speak what he says, it literally changes your life. But you have to believe it, and you'll never believe it if you don't start doing it today and learn to stay consistent at it. I'm talking about saying it and declaring it, having a daily routine of those type of confessions that we've given you and we've talked about sometime during this series, I'm going to give you a whole new one that, that just to help you just to add to what you already have. But um, if you don't develop that, if you don't develop a daily routine in the Word, then you will not come to a place where you're able to stop yourself emotionally in your tracks. No, we're not doing that because this says this. I have to have the word on it. If you ever call in or send a prayer request in here at Gates of the City, most of the time you're asked, what scriptures are you standing on? Because we need to be in agreement with you about what you're you're needing to overcome or get on top of. We need to be in agreement with you on the word. Yeah, it's good to pray, and it's good to speak over other people's lives, but we need to be speaking what the Word says. So we have to believe it. The person praying, and then that person praying, encouraging and helping other people to come to a greater level of expectation in the Word itself. But it'll never happen if we don't change what we say and how we make declarations. Can you say amen? He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against because of, because of the revelation that Peter had concerning the question that was asked, in other words. <clears throat> and then he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Verse 19, I want to read it in 
the Amplified translation, Matthew 16, 19. And he says here, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful. Whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful. To bind is to declare. Everybody say declare. That's what we were talking about in the, in, in the beginning. We need to change our vocabulary, change the things that we talk about all the time, and turn them into declarations. He said, again, whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound or declared improper and unlawful in heaven. And then he said, and whatever you loose, whatever you declare lawful, whatever you declare is right on earth must be what is already loosed or declared lawful in heaven. That's why we have to know the Word. That's why we have to know what to say. We can't just say anything. But when, when in, in my, the, the way I develop daily routines, most of what I, not, not, not all of it, I'd say probably 60 or 70% of my daily routine has come from different quotes or scriptures that were quoted or quotes that are tied to scriptures that I heard from people preaching the word. Because, like, like today, I, I, I made this comment to you. I said, talk less and speak more of the Word. Well, if I, was, if I was going to add that, which I have that in so many ways in my daily confession, but if that was the first time I heard that, I would have probably already had that written down to add to my daily confession if I had never heard that before. And this is the way I would say it. I declare today that I talk less and I declare God's word every single day. Something like that. And as I have that, as I add that confession, what will happen is I'll even tweak that confession more as more revelation comes to me about how that relates to me. See, I'm telling you about something God said to me. That doesn't mean that, that that's necessarily 100% exactly the way God would say it to you. But I promise you, you talk less about a bunch of junk, and you talk more of the Word of God, it'll benefit your life. You understand? So what I'm saying is, you take something like that. I, that, I didn't quote a scripture there, but I heard that from God, and you can line that up with scripture. See, something like this right here, I'll talk more about it maybe in, in, in one of the other nights that, we, that we're teaching on this, but, but a lot of times, I, in, my, in my confessions and what I declare, I've got a number of scriptures that are connected and added to it. How many ever got the Charles Capps books? How many have ever got those? Okay, we've got some of those still around here. If anybody wants those, we'll make sure to get them to you. But um, in those daily confessions of his, that's where I learned to do that. 
because he would have scripture references to the confession about a specific thing. And as I would, as I would see that, that came from that scripture. But when I went and looked at the scripture, it was like three scriptures put together. You know, so somebody says, well, you know, are, are you twisting what the word is saying? No, as long as what you're saying lines up with scripture as a whole, you know, and you have to, you have to look at that. You have to make sure that, that, that you can use scriptures that way. But I tell you, it's really beneficial because it's not just quoting a scripture, but it's taking the word of God and applying it to my personal life for me. So, so, first and foremost, you need to be declaring over yourself. Before you declare over anybody else, you need to be speaking and declaring the Word over yourself so that the words that you are saying are framing the world that you live in. So that we're not, our worlds, we're not coming and we hear a message and we, yeah, that's a good word, but all the conversation out of our mouth is emotional. It's, it's, it's words of, you know, uh, sometimes depression, words of, of anxiety and fear and torment. I mean, there's all kinds of things in the world. And if we're talking that, it frames the world that we live in. Even though we may come to church and hear a word preached, but at the end of the day, you're going to believe what comes out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's those words that you're speaking all the time. That's why you got to change what you say. You don't change what you say, you stay the same. And actually, you get worse. Especially if you come to church and you hear a word that goes contrary to what you kind of really believe concerning certain situations in life, and you're coming to church and you're hearing the word, but you're not developing that daily routine, it actually gets really discouraging because you hear victories and you hear other people. You may hear somebody overcoming in a situation, but you're not seeing it happen in your life because you're not developing. And listen, all along the way, we all hear people testify of something and you know. You can sit there and say, you know, I haven't done enough of that. I, I know that I haven't done that. It's not to get under condemnation about what you're not doing. It's being encouraged that, you know what, if it happened for them, it'll happen for me the same way. We just, our part, <laughs> the part we play, we're not, we're not the ones trying to create the manifestations and trying to make everything work. We're the ones that have to think like God. God's not going to come down to your level and think on your level. And that's where a lot of people misunderstand God in a huge way. He, he, he's up here. He wants us to come to Him. And the only way you can come to Him is to begin to think like Him. And the only way you'll think like Him is to begin to talk like Him. That's it. Plain and simple. Amen? <clears throat> so, one of the things, and we're going to keep talking about um, verse 19 in the Amplified. We're going to keep looking at those words improper and unlawful and lawful about how to declare those words. We're going to look at it in the, in the weeks to come. We're going to, that's, that, that's kind of our foundational passage right here, but verse 19 we're going to spend more and more time on about what it looks like to declare that things are lawful or unlawful in your life and other people's lives. Um,
I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know the right way to say this, but I feel like I need to say this right now. I don't really know the right way to say it, but because I've learned how to bind and loose or to declare what's lawful or unlawful, because I've learned how to do that and I'm still developing it, because of how I've become convinced, like the Apostle Paul was, that if he was going to preach the word, he couldn't not pray for the people. So when you put the word out there, then you have to pray for the people. You have to learn how to be creative and how to pray. And never before in all my life today, I'm not just saying just like it happened today and I got this revelation. I mean, what's been growing in me is that my words are changing people's lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's because I believe it. I mean, and you know what? It, it, it's just like one day I realized this really works. One day I realized this really works. And I can never quit. And until it came, it came to that, you know, right after Peter said what he did right here, <laughs> right after this, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah, he called him Satan. Because he was trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he showed his muscles and his sword and his, you know, I'm, I'm the man, you know. Peter had to be from Texas. I know he did. I know he had to be from Texas. He was a Texan through and through. But we, we live our lives, and if, we'll, if, if we do it God's way and, and not have to see the manifestation in our time period, then what it does is it believes, it develops a belief system even when we don't see everything we want to see, but we believe it. And then when you begin to see with these spiritual eyes that what you do every day and what you say every day is really changing, this is really what my part is. See, I'm, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Excuse me, I got something on my lip. I'm a, I'm a joint heir. I'm one with him. We're joint heirs with him. That, that means we're equal partners with him concerning the anointing that is operated in the earth. He did his part. Now we do our part. Mine and your part is, is to think like him, act like him, operate just like him. And, and, and if it takes you 25 years like it did for Abraham, or it takes you, you know, 15 to 17 years like it did for the Apostle Paul for the revelation to begin to come, if, it, if it's somebody like Peter that was on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off his whole life that you saw until towards the end of his life, whatever it takes, we just can't stop doing what our part is. Because 
none of us individually are Jesus. Right? We're not him. We're, we're, we're sons and daughters of God. We're one with him. He's our elder brother. Jesus the son is our elder brother that led the way and did the work. But we're not the deity of God. You understand? And not one of us can do what he did, but all of us together can. Right? We can do everything that he did and even greater works because he set it up for us. But our part is, remember, here he is, and here we are, and he's saying, through my word, you've got to come to me. Come on. Come on. Come on. And I'm saying, the way you do that is by changing what you say. Because the doing part is in the seed of that word that you say. Because the more you say it, just what happens is you just one day believe it. Because you didn't quit saying it. You didn't quit changing your word. You didn't quit replacing emotional conversation and wording and things that are going on in your life. You didn't quit replacing the emotions with the consistency of the word, even when it looked like you're an emotional basket case. Man, why did I do that? Man, I told, I told my wife I, that, that I'm stronger than that and I can accomplish this. And, I, and, then, and then there I did. I did it again. Where the devil gets you is that if he can get you to think now you're disqualified because of your emotional reaction, then, he, then you'll back off from the word because not, now it doesn't work. Because look what I did. Look what I said. I got all emotional. I got mad. I got to do this, this thing. And now I got all emotional. So, so now I'm disqualified. So it's no good to do the word. Boom. He's got you right around the neck. Actually, he's got you right around the tongue. And he'll control everything that you do. Because now what's happened is you have turned your back on and, and removed yourself from the only thing that will establish you on planet earth as God's man or woman in the earth. Say this. Say, if you're a woman, you're a man, say, say your gender. I'm God's man. Say it. He, he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He, he wants you to succeed more than you can even, than your mind could ever even tap into that. But not without this. Not without what? The revelation. And the revelation will never come until the words change consistently because in the consistency is where the belief comes and it's not you trying to believe you'll just believe <laughs> I'm just a product of that when I, when, I, when I just told you that about that my declarations are changing people's lives I mean I could, I could, I could just weep over that that the first part of my born-again life, I missed it. 
I mean, I was developing, you know, okay. So you say, well, if I could go back. Well, you can't. Never will. Quit the, I could go back. It's emotional. You'll never go back. Well, if I could just go back, I could make it. No, no, make up for it now. Make the changes now. Today, there's no day like today to get a hold of what I'm talking about right here. It will change everything about your life. And it doesn't matter when you really believe that it's working. But one day, you'll believe because it's in the seed of the Word. It's in the seed that the power to produce is. In an apple seed is all those apples. One apple seed. I saw... I saw something one day that talked about how many bushels of apples are in one apple seed. I saw that. can't remember what it was. And it was a bunch of bushels. In one apple seed. Words the same way and even more. That's just natural. <laughs> That's a natural apple tree. We're connected to the tree of life. That there's no limitations. Can you say amen? Woo! So I want you to think about this. And I think I'm just going to actually end with this tonight. I, I want you to think about this. You've been around here for a long time. You, you've, for any time at all, you've heard me talk about this. But, but I want to just drive this point home. And I, I'm going to end with this. I had several other verses I was going to look at. But we'll get to them next week. There's only one way to heaven. And you've heard me say this, and I've said this many times, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Where's the Father? Heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. But that's not 100% true. About 98%. Okay? And actually, depending on what you're talking about, it's actually even less than that until you actually believe it. And, and the truth is found in Romans 10 and verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. Then you're connected with the Father. Then you're on your way to heaven. Verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto what's right, and then the mouth, and, and with the mouth, confession is made unto that salvation. And that salvation is not just being saved from hell, but it's being healed, delivered, set free, totally complete. But the heart has to believe first, right? So, the only way to heaven is based on what you say. So, I'm actually more convinced of this every day 
that it's better for a human being who's never been born again, who's never confessed the Lord Jesus and, and been saved initially, it's actually better for them to hear teaching like this and begin to develop this so that they believe. People say, well, do you believe that once you're saved, you're always saved? You know, because there's a, there was, in, when I was growing, when I was coming up in, in my born-again life and world, um, there was a big debate over that, you know. I mean, people argued, they had church splits over, you know, once saved, always saved, or, you know, or not, or you could lose your salvation. What I, what I believe personally is a lot of people have made a confession they didn't believe. That's what I believe. A lot of people like, were like out of fear or kind of rushed to the front of a church and, you know, you know dragging them up because they wanted, you know, I'm, I, I mean, the, the church played games like this for years. You know, the, the churches wanted numbers. We had, you know, 50 saved this Sunday or we, had, we did this or that. I mean, I know because I know people and I know pastors and I, I just know. I'm not being critical of anybody. I would never say that about anybody. I'm just saying I saw the game. And it was a game at times. And I'm convinced that many people made a confession that they didn't believe in. I say, the more you confess the word, whether you've asked Jesus to be your Savior or not yet, the more it positions you to believe that that's who he is. Hearing the word and then developing this kind of a lifestyle, of a daily routine, it's vital for people. Did you hear what I said? It's vital for people because... The only way to the Father, to heaven, is you personally asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. That's the only way. Why? Because Jesus, the head of the church, said, told Nicodemus, a religious man of the day, you must be born again. Amen? Settled. But you're not going to convince somebody of that and make them make a confession by forcing it on them, you know. You might be uh, in line at, a, at HEB, and you think you're going to get somebody saved at HEB. Not if they believe. If they don't believe, they didn't get saved. Did you hear me? I mean, I mean I, I'm just basing it on what I just read. If they didn't believe, you may have forced that confession on them that, man, you need a Savior. You know, you could go to hell. Or I, I mean, you know, people said all kinds of things. Hell was not created for you and me and for, for mankind. Hell was created for the devil and his demons. But if a person chooses, has information, has understanding, I've just never met anybody that really understood about God that ever rejected him. I've never met anybody. I'm not saying there hadn't been. I've just never met anybody. And we serve a just God. He's not trying to send people to hell. He said, I don't desire that one perish, but all come to the saving knowledge. And this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Only one way to heaven, and it's through what you say as a result of what you believe. And what you believe is a result of what you say daily so that you have confidence that what you've confessed is going to come to pass. Someone shout amen. Man, I'm telling you, I love talking about this stuff. Amen? I'm believing that what we're talking about tonight and in the weeks ahead, that it's going to become so real 
to every person at the sound of my voice that it literally, these words will change your life, the words from God that are being preached. They'll change your life because you're going to do what you're hearing and what God's instructing me to give you to do. Can you say amen? Amen.